The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day. To, uh, we, had to, we had to flex the knowledge yeah. for this one, but it was so apropos. Uh, and, you know, first and foremost, welcome, everybody. Indeed. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. To this, our 124th episode Good of Riffs and Rants. God. And wow. we're sticking on a tangent we started, what, maybe like <laughs> two episodes ago. Um, you know, whimsical and yes. fun. And uh, today... We're going to talk about uh, an American pastime. Indeed. Nothing nearly as boring as baseball or drug-laden. Indeed. Uh, But more (laughs) an American pastime for kids. Whatever happened to... Right. Saturday morning TV. You know, fond memories. Fond, fond memories. So our gems are going to kind of float around this fact. And we opened today's show with a little ditty by the Aquabats called Super Rad. Yeah. And for those people not familiar with the Aquabats, All right. uh, it was a band formed out in California back in 94. Okay. Started out as a ska outfit, you yeah. know, riding the crest of bands like No Doubt and Sublime. Right. But they've had like little punk phases and, and heavy synth 
like new age punk stuff. Interesting. Um, and yeah, and they're still technically performing to this day. All right. And um, they've had a number of, of charting Billboard hits. They've got like eight studio albums. And a little fun fact I uncovered okay. that for a brief period from 96 through 98, their drummer was Travis Barker of Blink-182. Yeah, Blink-182, yeah, Blink yeah. no shit. All yeah. right, all right. Well, that gives them credibility. Yeah, and then in 98, I guess it was some uh, you know, parade they do out in California, the annual Ska Parade. Okay. They fought in their superhero personas, <laughs> the band Guar. Oh, God. <laughs> Guar was like the bad guys, and they went up against the Aquabats. Wow. Because that's their shtick. They do their music, but they are, you know, uh, a group of superheroes. Who animated. Just, Very yeah. animated, yeah. I gotta say. Yeah. So it was a fun little tune in the anime. Reminded me of those fun little things we used to watch uh, on Saturday mornings. That if it wasn't animated, it was live action, and it was exciting. I kind of feel like the kids these days are deprived. You know, they totally are. Might totally. kind of uh, explain why they're like they are. Like they are. Like they are. <laughs> you know. I, I was about to use one of my few f bomb allowances for, <laughs> for the show, but I'm going to hold off on that for a little while longer. But or maybe yeah. we're just being overly woke and saying. Like they are, because you yeah. wouldn't want to put the wrong pronoun, God forbid, on little it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, to sum it up, for those of us who didn't live through this magical time period. It was magical. It's uh, it's something that Michael and I have been talking about lately, especially because it is now the fall. Mm -hmm. And that's when not only did you go back to school, but that's when all the, the big three, let's say, because yeah. that's what we had, the big three major networks would go all out they unveiling... Breaking out the new shit. Right, yeah. and it was as big, if not bigger, than the way they would do the primetime Oh, yeah, stuff. if you were a kid, I mean, you know, obviously the, 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 the primetime stuff catered to adults, but, like, back then as a kid, you had your own programming yes, catered just to you and your demographic. Yep. And they'd pitch it hard to you. Yeah. Because they knew about the phenomenon <laughs> known as the pain-in-the-ass kid. Yeah, and who disposable cash. Yes, yeah. and when they wanted something, I, I, I hear, they would um, hound their parents incessantly. Indeed. Until they got it. So here we were, <laughs> watching this stuff every Saturday morning, being molded into tiny little Manchurian candidates so that when they went with mom to the supermarket, yeah. you would hit the aisle and talk about going way back. Oh, yeah. Not only did we have toys in our breakfast cereal, mm -hmm. which sadly is another thing that's gone away. Is it really? Yeah. There's wow. no toys that's in the cereal anymore. shame. But we used to even have toys in the Wonder Bread. Remember? It was like cards and stuff yeah. that was in there. And it's just ironic that that, unfortunately, eventually became part of its demise. Yeah. You know? People got defensive about that. The government got involved and... Yeah, it pretty much was the end of that. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was a fun time, and they would bring out, you know, stars of the day, normally culled from whatever failed variety show was on that <laughs> night, because that's all we had in the 70s. But, yeah, I, I remember sitting there with my older sister, and we would just be in our footy pajamas and the shag carpet watching the piece of furniture in the room known as the TV. Yeah. God forbid it wasn't in a giant oak cabinet, yeah. right? Yeah. Dude, 10 years old, dragging <laughs> yourself out of bed at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. Oh, the magic of it all. You know, to get, get you know, run downstairs, grab the Lucky, lucky Charms or whatever mm -hmm. was your thing, the Rice Krispies, the Life Cereal or whatever. Sure. Grab your bowl, grab your milk, park yourself in front of the TV, <laughs> fire it up. Mom and Dad were so glad you were distracted by this so they could do hey. what, what they did Saturday morning. Look, they're upstairs fornicating. We, we all know it now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we were left to our own devices. Yeah. Now, my my question to you is, what was your favorite? And you could wow. do a tie because there's, there's so many. Like, wow. but Something that was on it, you were like, yeah, that, that was my show. I remember being really fired up when they were going to do a version of Tarzan. Okay. I remember really being fired up about Super Friends. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's just, just so many different, you know, each year it was something different, something mm -hmm. new that they were going to break out. And, uh, you know, it's funny in, in just doing the research on this and looking into it and whatnot, very, very interesting lesson in history. And it, it put a lot of things in perspective for me. Um, amongst other things, people don't realize how new a medium TV is. You know, television was really first introduced to the general public 
1939. That was less than 100 years ago at the New York World's Fair. Yeah, but you're talking about society with the attention span of a... Of a gnat. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of the biggest, one of the fastest growing technologies of all time. Mm-hmm. By 1955, half of all households in the U.S. had a TV. And that was right around the time this whole, you know, Saturday morning thing started. Uh, the first animated series uh, was 1950, uh, Crusader Rabbit. Whoa. Yeah, and by 1955, CBS was breaking out a block of mm-hmm. Saturday AM programming for the kids, and it just took off from there. You know, all the stuff in the 60s, and the, some of that 60s shit was crazy. Mm. You know, it was, you know, we'd like to think it was pointed at the kids, but, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, going into the 70s, which is when I became aware, I'm sure that's right around the time you became aware, and then yep. into the early part of the 80s, this was the shit. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> they eventually discovered that kids were having a hard time discerning between the TV show and the commercials to sell you the shit that was in the TV show. Uh-huh. This was like the G.I. Joe example. Right, Yeah, you know, right. Kids didn't know where the show ended and the commercial began. And actually, that's an excellent example because at the same time, uh, walking hand-in-hand with G.I. Joe was Transformers. Yes. Which, exactly the same thing. The toys were in the show. Yeah. So... On one hand, it lent itself to some active, you know, gameplay with your friends because you yep. could base it right off of the show. Oh yeah. But yeah, every single character, vehicle, gadget, robot, whatever that you would see, yes, yeah. yeah. and that turned into the norm. Yeah. Because I can remember any any number of shows that it was really the show was based around the toys, not the yeah. other way around. Yeah, it really was. It, it was a great big marketing effort. Yep. And unfortunately, you know, when it, when it was discovered how huge the viewership of this stuff was, that's when the government got involved. Sure. And well, it's just to ruin everything like yeah. they do. Well, they started <laughs> mandating, quote-unquote, educational programming mm-hmm. um, that really started to contribute to the eventual downfall of the Saturday morning block. Because, right. as we all know, kids don't like educational programming. Not when they see it coming. No. With the exception, of course, of Schoolhouse Rock, which was a lot of fun. Yes. We were going over some, some of the old Schoolhouse Rock segments uh, pre-show. And, uh, and yeah, a lot of that shit they couldn't even do today. Good. Yeah, the way but yeah, we remember all the songs. It's oh, like God, yeah. we are truly programmed from that to this day. Oh, I know. It's funny, isn't it's it? It's like MK Ultra. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> Somewhere a... out, someone's going to say, John, do you know what makes a bill? And I'm just going to snap. <laughs> And go assassinate some you know, lowly official somewhere. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, and copping to it, you know, when I was in college in the mid to late 80s, you know, we'd party all night Friday night, uh, park ourselves in front of the, the console TV Saturday mm-hmm. morning first thing, ripped off our faces, and watched Saturday morning cartoons. Yep. And it was the coolest shit. And the funny thing is, I mean, even if you do it sober, there's, there's a lot going on in a lot of these cartoons. Oh, yeah. Especially now, this is a, a more current like story, because um, yeah, I've no problem at all wasting a whole day watching like old reruns of cartoons and Hell shit. No. And I was doing it with a, a buddy of mine a couple years ago, and we were watching in particular the um, Masters of the Universe, yeah, He Man and all that. Uh-huh. And that was a He Man and what? There was something He Man and something. In the Masters of the and, Universe. And that was like his, is that what yeah. He-Man and the Man? Okay. Yep. And then he went up against Skeletor and whatnot. Yes, okay. But the interesting thing is... I'm going to get vilified for this one. Oh, boy lovers. But look, it, it was based out of Europe, so... <laughs> do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> freaking Europeans, man. It has extreme... Boy lovers. Homosexual overtones. What? Extreme. Okay. And, because, again, it's European... Yeah. Um, I noticed that, and having a, a somewhat of a, of a slight background, let's say, in animation and certainly art, right? Um, I know the process that goes into producing these things, and sure. it's it, it's a big process. A lot of artists, you know, a lot of repetition and whatnot. Yep. And a lot of the um, animated cartoons, because especially when they rush them, a lot of stuff is, is looped over and over again. Sure. Okay. You see yep. the same background scenery, the characters have the same movements. So we noticed one day, Stone Sober, watching this Masters of the Universe shit, yeah. they would always go for the low-hanging crotch shot on all the female characters. <laughs> like, they would jump over the camera, and then the next thing you know, you got a, a shot of the crack of their ass, okay, or the camel toe or whatever. And I'm like, I said to my buddy, I'm like, Mike, are you, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And he's looking at me, he's like, 
the hell I am. Yeah. What is this shit? You know, <laughs> and just all, all the, the men, and they made sure to just portray it enough that were very endowed, you know, speaking of camel toes. And I'm just like, there's something going on here. And then watching uh, He-Man in his alter ego, Prince Adam, okay. with like the, the Dutch boy haircut okay. and the pink outfit. I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. What is this going on? Well, the fact of the matter is, there were a lot of themes, a lot of things going on that, yes. while they were cloaked in in the the casualness or, or comedic, you know, mm-hmm. uh, animation thing, really were for adults. Like again, you know, in the eighties when I was in college watching this shit, a lot of times we stayed up all night on certain drugs that helped you stay up all night, which like really dialed us into these cartoons. And, you know, amongst the biggest defenders, quite frankly, Bugs Bunny. Yeah. You know, they were, like, putting NRA jokes in there and shit that weren't, yep. like, would go right over your head if you were a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> but you're an adult, and you're suddenly watching this going, hey, what the fuck was that? Yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah, it, it was, I, I don't know, it was the diabolical intent of the cartoonists or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, obviously an interesting bunch of guys, to say the least. Just a dark sense of humor, and and it worked. Yeah. Yeah, That's why they say, you know, Warner Brothers will always be the cool cartoons. Yeah. Clean living, clean living. Versus the Disney that was pretty much, you know, whitewashed. Oh, yeah. But yeah, gay references, political jokes. Whole lot of racist shit. Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Yes. Foghorn, Leghorn. Do you remember all that? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. And even, you know, going back to our original thing, you could start to see um, in our generation, towards the tail end especially uh, of the Saturday morning cartoons and whatnot, a conscious effort was being made. And this was probably, again, due to government dalliances. Yeah. to make everything as well balanced and representative as, as possible. Right. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing Man. until, and we've railed on this before, yeah. it, until it gets patronizing and you start yeah. creating characters to appease a particular group or segment. Yeah. And this first happened on the Super Friends, which yeah. we both adore, right? Yeah. Oh, well, that was great fun. Yeah. But when they introduced characters like Apache Chief. Okay. Which, on one hand, they wanted to show diversity, but yet, why is this is this poor guy running around in, in a tunic and a loincloth? Okay, come on. Yeah. Let's, let's, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. But they had um, samurai. And, and these characters, they were never in the comic books. They were invented specifically for the show to show proper representation. Right. Okay? Yeah. And pretty much past that point, I mean, even with the Smurfs, look. Well, one thing about starving, it does highlight my handsome cheekbones. You remember the Smurfs? Yeah. What was the one with the flower in his hair? I mean, what was that? Bottom Twink Smurf or whatever his name was? It's just like, come on. Well, what's going to be learned here is that, you know, when when this kind of shit is introduced to something as simplistic um, as children's programming, children's or what should be children's programming, it kills it. It absolutely kills it. it. You know, the, the 80s were the heyday for it, but... You know, come 1990, many many people blame the end of this on the Children's Television Act of 1990. Go on. That was when, you know, full-on government intervention happened here. Uh, limited the duration of advertising programs for kids to a specific number of minutes per hour um, that anybody with a network commercial license had to adhere to. Right. And then this was like... The beginning of the end. Yeah. You know? And again, it's one of those things where if, if you like drill down on it, it's done with the best of intentions. But look, if it ain't broke, don't don't fiddle with it. Look out, man. You know? When it comes in with the best of intentions, right. look out. It's time for Ask Dr. Stupid with your host, Dr. Stupid. You know, I remember a time when remember the after school specials? Yes. Okay. Of course. And everyone was a Here's my F-bomb. Everyone was a fucking train wreck. <laughs> and it seemed like they would always have the same teen actors like Christy McNichol yeah, or, yeah, or maybe yeah. Leif Garrett was on one. Oh, sure. And it was always something that was, at the time, just spoken about in hushed tones, like yeah. teen pregnancy oh. <gasps> or your first pimple <gasps> or having sex or any of that stuff was at the same level back then. Yeah. And it was just like... On a very special... That's where that whole thing comes on from. On a very special, a very episode. special episode. Yeah. It's like, oh boy. Well, let's say it's just like, you know, completely unadulterated fun. Just yeah. fun. And F-bomb number two, let's fuck it all up with agendas. <laughs> right. 
you know, and government intervention, and look out for this and look out for that. Yep. You know, it, it. You know, we were joking around about how, yeah, we all became Manchurian candidates for the <laughs> for the commercial. I know. I put my parents through hell. Oh, I would get done oh, watching yeah. that show. Of course, like, of course. Guess what was on this episode? This toy I want. Oh yeah, and it wasn't <laughs> limited to Saturday morning programming. I mean, you know, during the during the the week when they had like Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. or Planet of the Apes. Yep. You know, we had to have that shit too. <laughs> But, I mean, again, there was an element of fun to this. There was an, uh, an element of, I don't know, innocence, whimsical innocence. And escapism. The, and es- yeah, very much so. For kids, that doesn't exist today. It doesn't no. exist anymore. And, uh, you know, I think kids are a lot more cynical and a lot more nasty. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no good that came of this. Right. Oh, well, look at it these days. I mean, and this is probably a dated reference. I'm sorry because I'm not up to my... You know, uh, on my my kids' programming. Yeah, but it's like you know, after the heyday and the things that we've spoken of, you've got what to help raise your kid, Barney, yeah. or those weird little sunshine baby things from Britain running around. Yeah, the SpongeBob shit. Right. It's like you go from that to Downton Abbey. You know, there's like nothing in between. No, no. <laughs> mindless babysitter TV to historical drama. Oh yeah, you know we had. And I'll set a little timeline for us here. All right. You know, 1959, we had the premiere of The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. You know, 1960 featured the premiere of Bugs Bunny. Uh, A hallmark year, 1969, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Mm -hmm. SpongeBob doesn't even remotely hold up to Scooby-Doo. I'm sorry. And I know that sounds like a ridiculous phrase. If I was, you know, (laughs) as a fly in the wall, I would have been after this, but... You know, it just and it, it, it I, I feel I really do feel bad for the kids yeah. these I mean, days. I mean, like if you think about it, this. look, even with Scooby Doo, that taught us life skills in a lot of ways. It did. You know, you were figuring out who the bad person was. It taught you never to trust strangers. <laughs> and I mean, speaking yeah. of making kids cynical, hell, we think everybody can be the bad guy now because of what Scooby Doo oh, yeah. taught us. And we need to be meddling kids. Yeah. Well, there was there was that that you know sequence of events yep. that there was a great storytelling thing where, you know, you'd, you'd start off with the, the, the thing that happened, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the, the, the kids would be investigating, and there would be the mystery machine, and, and then you'd have the unveiling the supervillain in the end, you know, where mm-hmm. they'd rip off his mask, and it would be like, ooh, that was that dude, the, right. you know, the butler, or whatever, <laughs> you know. And or even I mean, the Super Friends would teach you in the middle of the episode, remember, an arts and craft thing. Oh, yeah. Wonder Woman, I'll show you how to make a telephone out of yeah. two cups and string. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and in a lot of ways, the, these were morality tales. Yeah. You know, which was which was great. Uh, it, it beat ed- blatantly educational programming. Yes. It really did. Because, it, you know, the message was getting across, but you weren't beating kids with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't whitewashing it. It didn't become milk toast. It didn't. Right. Like suddenly, just suck sour going down, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to keep getting back to this point, but something's been lost. It yeah. really has. And kids today, naturally, as, as time goes on, the kids get more savvy earlier than yes, they do. the generation that precedes them. Mm-hmm. And you know, the kids they see this coming a mile away, and that's maybe why there's such a, a, a giant bridge from, like I, I describe, like the baby stuff yeah. to the adult stuff. But even you know. It taught you social skills. Remember the shows like Wonderama? Yeah. You know, because all the kids would be in this audience and they'd be interacting. Yeah. Or, you know, another show like my sisters loved The Magic Garden. Yeah. And at the end, they would look in these mirrors and be like, I see Susie and Billy. And if your name got called, they're like, oh, oh they saw me in The Magic Garden, you know. Here you are all equally worthless. Just so much fun, mindless shit. Yeah. The kids were safe. With, with what they were watching. It really was, in many cases, an excellent babysitter. Uh, yeah, there was an element of innocence to it. Right. You know? And you can argue that really was government intervention needed on this. Was I, I blame the liberals. Because, <laughs> you know, that, that's what big government does. They're overtaxing you. They're taking away the cartoons. I mean, thanks. Hard government. to defend. Hard to defend. And it was the 70s, so hello, Carter yeah, administration. You know, well, well, <laughs> well, the demise did come around uh, in 1990, the... Children's Television Act, if I remember correctly, it was a bush in the White House at the time. Eesh. But uh, but you know that was the, that was the only thing that did it. The coming of technology, right? You know, laptops, DVDs. You know, that changed the whole landscape of things. And then what you saw with the Simpsons was the advent, or I should say, return to adult-themed primetime yeah. animation. Oh yeah, which today is big business. It's and you can look at, at Rick and Morty, American Dad, Family Guy. 
Bob's Burgers, all of these shows geared towards adults, mm-hmm. and that's who watches it. Yeah. I mean, when I was in college, I admit I had a short-term addiction to Ren and Stimpy. Did you really? And all it's right. to this day one of the main things why I have this love affair with the Atomic Age because it was very <laughs> like stylized from the fifties. Yes, it was. It you know? most definitely was. And I just, I, I would be hysterical watching this shit. Yeah, because it, it was, was deceptively unlike, intelligent. Yes, and it was unlike anything I'd seen before. Um, yeah, music by Reverend Horton Heat thrown in there, <laughs> yeah. and all the little jingles that they would do, and it was oh, just yeah. a skewering. Of all the the animated crap from the past, yeah, you know, yep. which has made it down. fun. Yeah. Whereas now the shows, they're animated, but you know they don't lead with that. These are tales about American Family, and I, I read an article one time about the real difference between Family Guy and American Dad. Yeah. Is that you know, on Family Guy they're all like against each other, right? Okay. But on American Dad, as ridiculous as the show is. They always show like the love that They're exists w- within the family, yeah. you know, and the acceptance and everything. Yeah. And I started thinking to myself, and I was like, okay, first, let me have another drink. <laughs> and then, secondly, they're absolutely right. So, you, you can, if you put your mind to it and you're not lazy, yeah. you can create programming that appeals like to everybody. Absolutely. But I do wish that they, they would go back maybe and. Well, the and, show that begat this all, The Flintstones. Yes. You know, that was that was very much... It was the first anime that premiered in primetime. Yep. You know, it was obviously a takeoff on The Honeymooners. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was the longest-running animated series until The Simpsons came along. Yeah. But yeah, it was obviously for adults and for kids. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was unique and of its Because if time. you look at a lot of the plots of, of the Flintstones, they mirrored exactly the plots of the... Um, you know, primetime sitcoms sure. of the period. Absolutely. Oh, the boss is coming over for dinner. Oh, I got, you know, passed over for the raise. What am mm-hmm. I going to tell my wife? Yeah. It's all the same shit. Yeah. But it worked. Yeah. You know. Until the alien came along. What was that? Uh, oh, the Great Gazoo. The Great, yes. Yes. <laughs> Purveyor of football helmets for Eli Manning. There yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was our, our deep dive this week. And yeah, it's time for the middle jam already. Oh, and we got a good one. Oh, I, I, we have I, a very good I, I one. I gotta say, I was digging this one. Why don't you take it and run with it, sir? Well, I, I hate to admit this, but I was ignorant to the existence <laughs> of this particular uh, this particular album uh, that was done in 1995. Well, that's because out of the two of us, I am just chock full of childlike wonderment. Whereas you're a little more cynical and jaded. That's kind of funny, but yeah, <laughs> I guess I kind of am, maybe. Damn, need to drink yeah. more. You're the adult in the room. But yeah, the 1995 compilation, Saturday Morning, Cartoon's <laughs> Greatest Hits. Yep. And the, the bands and the, the artists that contributed to this. And, A and veritable who's who of 90s. Absolutely stunning. 90s and, <laughs> and in some uh, instances, so totally appropriate. Yes. And this is definitely one of those instances. Um, the Ramones jumped in on this and did something totally Ramones, totally New York. They did a cover of uh, the theme from the cartoon uh, that premiered in 1967, the Spider-Man cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's an official title to this song. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the Ramones, as always, they murder it. They right. absolutely murder it. And so. everybody knows this song. It yes. was just a slam dunk. Yeah, yeah. It's, this, is, this is ear candy, earworm candy. You're going to love this. You're never going to be able to shake it out of your head. Yep. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. This is the Ramones <laughs> doing the theme from Spider-Man, folks. Yeah, enjoy this one, folks. We'll be back in a couple minutes with some more things and stuff. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Spins a web in his eyes, catches bees just like my Yeah. 
cool. <laughs> right? That was just cool. It took an already cool song yeah. and just made it cooler. Well, like I was saying earlier, there's, a, there's an intrinsic connection uh, that the common denominator is New York City. Okay. You know, okay. Spider-Man, you know, one of the big things that are bashing on you DC dudes <laughs> about is Marvel is all grounded in reality. Spider-Man is just so New York, and the Ramones are so New York. Well, maybe Marvel just didn't have the imagination to create all these Ooh. unique cities. Ooh. Just saying. Well, you know. Any fool could talk about New York, but who can invent Gotham City? Uh, just saying. All right, you might have something there. Anyway. Anyway. So naturally, that was, of course, part of the Saturday Morning Cartoon's Greatest Hits compilation album yep. that came out in 1995. Um, and that was a legitimate cover of the theme song from the Spider-Man cartoon from 1967. Yep. But what a lot of people don't realize, and if you know the Ramones, this will come as no surprise, is they took this song very seriously uh, to the extent that they included it as part of the song list for their... Uh, farewell tour in 1996. Huh. Uh, as a matter of fact, they played it between the Ramones classics, I Want to Be Sedated, and the KKK Took My Baby Away. Interesting. So, you know, if you were watching the Ramones and that, that like, heartbreaking, because this was the end, this was right. Adios Amigos of the Ramones, they would rip off I Want to Be Sedated, do the Spider-Man song, <laughs> and then jump right into the KKK Took My Baby Away, which, by the way, is my favorite Ramones tune. Huh. So, I mean, it was just epic shit. It just, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, again, what's not to love? And we had spoken, like, uh, off mic when we were setting up the episode. <laughs> we could do a whole episode just on the, the trippiness no doubt. of the late 60s Spider-Man series. Oh, dude, Jesus. And it is, it's, it's, it's got so many popular memes that today are circulating on, on, on Facebook, yep. you know? Yep. And it's just, I, as a kid, loved it because of all the, the supervillains that were in it. Yeah. And it was just like, wow, it was just larger than life. Well, that was one of the definitely cool things about the cartoon is mm -hmm. it did have all those supervillains. It had the Green Goblin, yep. Dr. Octopus, you know, the Sandman. It right. featured all of those guys. And it, was, it didn't follow the formula of those other Marvel cartoons that I was telling you about, mm. which actually used a different kind of animation. I forget the name of it. Yeah. But it would, uh, more often than not, it would be like... Um, a stagnant scene. There would be no movement. And then right. when the movement did happen, it was very slight. Like, just an arm would move. Right. And it was meant to mimic the direct behaviors of a comic book page. Right. You know? Right. So, somebody would get punched, the words would pop up, they'd go to the next panel. Yeah. But they also shared the musical genius, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> that was in those, those Spider-Man, that jazz riff. Oh, yeah. And those dirty basement dwelling trumpet sections. <laughs> it was so beatnik, New York City. Like yes. <clears throat> you had to watch this in the village, I think, originally, just to yep. get that that vibe. Well it's so funny <clears throat> the things that you understood so many years afterwards. Right. Like, you know, watching that that cartoon, I mean you know, we talked about this. It came on in the afternoons during the week, you know, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock And to in us, the it was new. As kids in the 70s, it was new, but yeah. really, it had already been around it 15 It had been around years. for a while, but, yeah. like, later on, when you grew up, when you became mm -hmm. an adult, uh, in my case, when you did drugs, you would, like, <laughs> suddenly go have back this to it. all new understanding yep. of what they were doing, and it was like, oh, my God, that was, like, revolutionary. Totally. And definitely not for kids. Yep. Yeah, no, it was crazy in that respect. And it was just a few years ago that they actually released the soundtrack from the Spider-Man cartoons. Oh, yeah? And it came in like a double CD packet, and it, just, it was actually one giant long piece of music. Right. And they would just cut up little like parts of it. Yeah. And like I had said to you earlier, there's a lot of lazy animation in, in that Spider-Man. Yes, it's like yes. the same crowd scenes all the time. Oh, yeah. The same I remember, remember that. Watching it as a kid, yeah, and I remember thinking that's kind of odd. Yeah, and to, to be fair, they did it on the Super Friends too. Like sometimes yeah. you show Batman, but he doesn't have the bat symbol on him, you know. Right. <laughs> and sometimes in the Spider-Man series, there would be no lines on his costume. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, they were too lazy to paint the spider web lines yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. But again, you understood that much later on right. when you understood the economics behind it and exactly. the intentions and and the budget and that kind of thing. But yeah, at the time, you know, in real time, you're just like, oh, that's kind of curious. Mm. Right, yeah. And yeah, a lot of like the beatnik dialogue <laughs> that they had in Spider-Man. Everybody's <laughs> wearing berets and turtlenecks and <laughs> damn. 
Yeah. There was some funky, subversive shit going on oh, there. Oh, no doubt. No but doubt. we, uh, you know, we, we picked this again because it was a good tune, and it kind of segues into uh, the subtopic today, Comic which strips. I realized, yeah, we were opening with an awesome pun. <laughs> uh, the lost art of the comic strip. Ho! Hey! And uh, there's a story circulating now in the news about the comic strip Dilbert, uh, which has been around for about 30 years, yeah. recently got canceled by about 77 newspapers, Ouch! which is a huge chunk of its distribution. Yeah. And it got the conversation in my head going of like, you know what? You don't see comic strips, not only in, in the weekly no. newspapers anymore, no. but more importantly, you don't see... The full color, comic, right? Yeah. The funny papers that we would obsess over as kids. Hell, we would fight, right, over the Give comic section <laughs> of the Sunday morning paper. I mean, yep. there was there was the routine, you know, with the family where you go out on Sunday morning. A lot of people went to church, sure, whatnot, you know. Sure. And coming back from that, you'd stop at the convenience store, yep. you know, and maybe if you were lucky, Dad would let you get some powdered donuts or some <laughs> shit. Would you please pass the jelly? And he'd grab that hulking uh, version of whatever paper you read the Sunday version of it you know in my yep. case it was the Sunday Boston Globe yep. and then you'd get home and everybody would fight about the, the sections absolutely you know somebody would want the comic everybody were on the comic section and then you know the sports section the art section whatever um, you know being the advanced cynical little prick that I was I would want the editorial section <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, everybody would throw down about the comics yeah. section, which was three or four pages. And yes, it stood out from the weekly version because it was in full color. Right. And yeah, you had you know Andy Cap, which <laughs> many years later I realized was set in London. It wasn't yep. English. It's pretty much all about domestic violence and, yeah, and, and hot and fries, and I guess. Drunkenness and whatnot. <laughs> Andy was a drinker. I don't know if you remember <laughs> he that. He did enjoy a bit and of the uh, bit of the liquor in yeah. a little spot here and there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, you had Doonesbury, which was like so subversive. Yep. You know who realized that uh, the Uncle Duke character uh, was based on Hunter S. Thompson, uh, widely uh, uh, syndicated comic strip. Mm -hmm. You had a character who was wasted on drugs. You know, and the, the the symbols that they used to denote it, the little bubbles over his right, head and whatnot, right. and he had the glasses <laughs> on and the cigarette holder dangling from his face. Who knew? You know, that was another one of those revelations when you grew up, like, right. wow, this dude was wasted the whole time. And didn't he always get interviewed by, like, a Phil Donahue-looking character, yeah, too? There yeah, was one yeah. of those in there. <laughs> when he wasn't fantasy, or was he, when he wasn't hallucinating, right. like, farm animals around him yeah. and shit like that. Because that was one that was, was admittedly over, over my head, and I thought yeah. I was a pseudo-intellectual. Yeah. My speed um, was more like the far side. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. It was <laughs> Gary Larson, right? Yes. Yeah. Just complete irreverence. Twisted into Individual. Supposedly writing most of those while he was in an institution. I don't know if that's not true. Not a shock. Not a shock. That would be appropriate. But, uh, you know, to this day, my favorite, like I'd mentioned to you, was uh, the single panel of a clown in a gun store looking in a case with the word <laughs> bubble. <laughs> Laugh at me, will they? <laughs> right there, I knew my life's mission was just yes. to be snarky whenever yes. I could. And and the, the underpinning of like how diabolical and twisted clowns really are. <laughs> You know, but never mind this Barnum and Bailey bullshit. Sure, sure. Know? I mean, because that's that's just like that's fluff. Yeah, it's John know? Wayne Gacy shit, right, right there. Right. You know, but you know, if you if you dig just a little bit deeper, and we try very hard in the show not to, uh, you know, pick and choose our, our symbolism. We want it just to be there. Yeah. Both of us like had the same startling admission when we sat and thought about it that not only was the ritual of the Sunday paper or is the ritual of the Sunday paper, one of those bygone things. Yeah. But if you look at it from 15,000 feet up, not even full 30, yeah. you'll see that you know when we were reaching for those, those comic book pages, we were mimicking what we had seen our parents do, yep. okay? Yep. And we would sit and digest and read, so it, it instilled somewhat a love of reading. Okay? Oh, yeah. And something as quaint and simplistic as that was part of the core American experience, if you will, on yeah. Sunday morning. That's just not there anymore. Oh, dude, that started, you know, when I was five, six, seven years old. Mm -hmm. Progressed right on through to when I was 15, 16 years old. Yep. And your agenda changed in, you know, which section right. you wanted to read. Maybe now you went to the sports pages yeah, or the entertainment section. Yes, yes. And that's it. It, it evolves. And it's, it's kind of sad now that with 
again, uh, access to information takes milliseconds. Yeah. Everybody's probably looking at the same sections of the paper on their cell, cell phone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, that, that togetherness, that family unit. Message! Um, and an innocent thing like the Sunday paper yeah. is, is lost. And like you said, every family could relate to that in particular Sunday because, yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of us got traipsed off to church. And maybe, you know, you did breakfast afterwards or whatever. You know, me... My, it would be a Saturday with the virtual was, and sometimes Sunday. Yeah. Dad would go do his stuff, drop his shirts at the cleaners, get the <laughs> yep. cars gassed up. Yep. And then he would drive over to Friedman's Bakery, where we would each get like a buttered roll for me and my sister yep. and a glazed donut. Oh, there And you I go. swear to God, I think we had that same damn breakfast for about 10 years as a kid. <laughs> Dude, when I was young, that glazed donut, oh yep. my God, a glazed donut and a Coke. Yep. You know, so in I our mean, case, it would be like a yoo-hoo because it was breakfast. All right. Know? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta eat right. Enjoy your glazed donut. <laughs> but it's, again, it's just, I don't know. Maybe it's just something I'm getting you know, long in the tooth now. But yeah. I long for the simplicity and the structure because, again, you're a couple years older than me and you're from Boston. I'm yeah. from Jersey. Yeah. Yet we did the same thing. Yeah. Different ethnicities, right? Hundreds of miles away. So that means probably everybody else in our neighborhood in most cases, was doing the same damn thing. Yeah, yeah. And you can sit here and say, oh, John, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. I, I, I beg to differ. I think because, again, you're dealing with a country back then where everybody was, in many cases, not all, but in many cases, on the same page. Yeah. We watched the same news. We got the same message. Yeah. And the newspapers were the same thing. All the papers yeah. basically said the same thing. We acknowledged the same facts. Right. And yeah. we were not afraid to admit, well, these are the facts. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. This and, is how it is. Well, that's what we debated. We came from that common ground of this is what we are acknowledging on the facts. This is what we agree with. This is what we don't agree with. Right. But it all originated from that same common ground. Mm-hmm. And yeah, very much so. It was a ritual that everybody went through. And I'm not long on nostalgia. I never have been. I don't like looking back. I hate seeing pictures of me when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, and, and whatnot. I'm... You know, a big, big fan of leaving the past in the past. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I do recognize the significance now in my current age or whatever you want, however you want to phrase that. And unfortunately, what has been lost. Yeah. You know, because that was a family activity. Yep. You know, we all sat down and did that Sunday morning. Yeah. Happy times. And, uh, and yeah, it was across the board. And it was just a nice little example of safety, security, and predictability. Yeah. Yeah, very much Simple so. Simple as that. I yeah. look forward to that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it is kind of funny, but yeah, it, it at the time, the significance didn't register. But yeah. yeah, maybe, you know, when I left town and went 3,000 miles away to college and whatnot, suddenly the significance of those events and how it grounded you and how mm-hmm. it anchored you and how it gave you peace of mind, it really did. And yet the um, family unit could bond without saying a word. Yeah. Because you were still spending time together. Oh, yeah. The, the, the goal was never to bond. Right. That was never what, what you had in mind. If you asked a question, it was all about, shut up. Can't you see him reading? Yeah, I know. Goose-stepping morons like yourself should try reading books instead of burning. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Get away from me. I'm reading this. Leave me alone. <laughs> but, yeah, you don't, you don't think of it at the time as that. It, it, in fact, it, it like brings up shit that annoys you about your siblings yep. and whatnot. But... <laughs> You know, like so many different things in this world, and the quote Joni Mitchell, you know, doesn't it seem to always go that you don't know what you got till it's gone? Truth. You know? It's, it's perspective. Yeah. It is. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it is interesting. And again, this was another one of those informative things when we chose a topic, and let's dig into this and take a look at it, that was very, for lack of a better word, educational. Yeah. Dialed in things that I didn't. Didn't know yeah, about. Yeah, you got us some facts about, like, well, basically the history of the comics. Oh, right, yeah. Right? Well, looking into this, it was kind of amusing. And it, you know, brought to light again some of the battles that went on between the, the titans, the, the, you know, newspaper barons of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, big dispute on what was the first uh, newspaper comic strip. Uh, generally, everybody recognizes it as a character called the Yellow Kid. Uh, Who I believe is... worked on the railroad, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my initial impression was, whoa, this would never fly today. That's so racist. But yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you look at a picture of the kid, and it's like, oh, that's such a parody of, like, the Chinese rail worker of the <laughs> right. 1900s. 
and oh my god, how offensive this was. But yeah. in looking further into it, really wasn't about that. And it brings to mind the dangers of jumping to conclusions that so many assholes out there do today. Well, once you're done with this, I'm going to ask you about Curious George and yeah, the man in the yellow oh, hat, because no, God knows go what there? that means. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but yeah, the yellow kid uh, either debuted, and this is disputed, in uh, 1895 in the New York World uh, newspaper that was uh, Joseph Pulitzer. Okay. Or it may have debuted in the New York American, which was a Hearst publication in, uh, in February of 1896. And it featured a bald kid, distinctly bald, uh-huh. uh, ratty clothes, uh, very much uh, social commentary. And like I said, you know, from, you know, the 2023 perspective, I looked at this and went, oh, shit, racist. <laughs> no, not really. Apparently, back then, the image of a bald kid, uh, you know, the yellow kid was a city kid. But apparently this was fairly common because... Kids in a uh, um, poor barrio, yeah, you know. barrio and whatnot. It was common to see them having shaved heads to fight off lice. Huh? Yeah, kind of disgusting, but yeah, right. you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was a bald street kid, um, shaved head, you know, lice, ratty clothes, and whatnot. Social commentary. That was the first comic strip, mm-hmm. and and it obviously set the roots of comic strips in social commentary. Right. You know, and I think, you know, right up until, you know, we were talking about Doonesbury, mm-hmm. you know, probably owes debt to the Yellow Kid. And uh, it evolved from there, obviously. Uh, the first uh, superhero comic strip, and we were talking about this, rather bland, but <laughs> it was the, uh, the Phantom, mm-hmm. uh, who premiered in February of 1936. And uh, unfortunately, the movie version featuring <laughs> Billy Zane didn't really... Uh, kind of fell flat. Yeah. 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 Aww. Yeah, purple is, muscle suits are just... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hard sell, man. Hard sell. Which is a shame, because I like Billy Zane, you know, <laughs> pre and post hair, you know. Billy Zane's best role, I got to throw it out there, Dead Calm, with Sam Neill and Nicole Kidman. Oh, my God. Yes, I remember that. He was... He was phenomenal. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I agree with you. Looking scary. at that, it's like, oh, this guy's got a career ahead of him. Uh, Little did we know, iceberg dead ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, things we uh, we take for granted that unfortunately don't even exist anymore. Um, first full color comic strips, January of uh, eighteen ninety four, um, disputable in Joseph Pulitzer's New York World. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, now you can link the demise of comic strips to the demise of newspapers. Yes, they will walk hand in hand. Yeah. In uh, in 2005 there were 80 uh excuse me 800 or 8891 newspapers in the US. Uh, as of 2022 that number had dwindled to 6377. Right. That number ain't coming back, folks. It's not going yeah. up, it's going down. And some things, I mean, some people would argue that any form of reading works better uh, in, in a tangible form rather than something two-dimensional. Yeah. And I'd use the example of, you know, comic books are still alive and, and thriving in digital format Yeah. for the same price as going and buying the actual comic book, which to me just flies in the face of reason. Why would you pay for something that you can't hold, yeah. you know? Oh, you will never... I can't wrap my brain around Kindle. I can't yeah, do it. exactly. You know, I got to have the book in my hands. Yep. It's, it's just... The tangible quality of it yeah. that, that makes it reality. I don't know. Now, I, know. I went through a snowstorm in Connecticut uh, one year. It was a freak Halloween snowstorm. Had no power for a week. Wow. All I had was my, I'm really dating myself here, was my <laughs> Blackberry. Okay. And I had uh, several Max Brooks zombie books out of like World War Z I read <laughs> right? off of a Blackberry. Talk nice. about taking forever. Yeah. Um, and also the uh, zombie survival guide, his other big tome. Um, Seems somewhat appropriate in a blizzard. Kind of, yeah, because yeah. it was just, we were cut off from civilization completely. <laughs> and I, it was the one time in my life I left like a 16th of a gallon of gas in my car. Oh, wow. And he couldn't even get gas because the stations, nobody had power anywhere. Yeah. It was horrible. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I sat and I, I read books off of a Blackberry, so I agree with you. It's, it's not a fun experience. No. It's just, I don't know, the smell of a book, the, the smell of the newspaper, having yep. it in your hand. There's something to be said for that. Oh, the, the the ritual of holding the paper up. 
Yes. And again, to block the faces of your family members exactly. sometimes. Exactly. So I have to talk to you first yep. thing in the it's morning when I'm sipping my coffee. Because seriously, now if you're riding the New York subway, would you rather have a tablet in front of you? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you know newspaper. that shit's getting stolen. Yeah. 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 Put your little shaky newspaper up there and hide yeah. your 38. And I would. <laughs> I wouldn't think little Bernie gets here anything <laughs> of like wrapping up the newspaper and whacking somebody in the head with it. But right. if I like paid money for a Kindle, yeah, I'm really gonna be that. smacking somebody in the head with it. No. Yep. But you know, people just to put everybody on watch, and I know this has been in the news recently, but uh, newspapers in the U.S. are dying at an at a rate of two per week. Wow. Um, and yeah, there's something being lost here, people. And some of them actually don't deserve it. Looking at you, New York Times. There we go. <laughs> Actually, the New York Times... Eh, eh, let's not go there. <laughs> Story that's, for that, another yeah, day. Yeah, that's another topic for another day. But, uh, but yeah, something's being lost here. Yeah. I don't know. You know, modern technology. You know, it was the demise of... Mm-hmm. Or a big part of the demise of the Saturday morning cartoon. Yep. Now it's a big part of the demise of your local newspaper people. Yeah, because people, they have the option to get instant entertainment. Yeah. And I, I, I look at all these cell phone commercials, and now they all come with... Uh, a bonus of like, oh, this streaming service for free and this, you can right. watch a movie. Look, okay, maybe I'm a doddering old man now and this is my get off my lawn moment. Yeah. But I don't care how big your cell phone is. My ass is not watching TV on it. Okay. Yeah. No. It's tiny as shit. Let's just face facts. I can't wrap my brain around that. Right. And I can't wrap my brain around the people that listen to music on their fucking cell phones. Right. And you're sitting here trying to watch like a, a, a drama. You know, you keep beating on Downton Abbey, so let's use that as an example. Yeah. You're going to catch all the nuances of these performances on a screen that's like six inches diagonal? Come on. And I'm sorry, I'm going to call people out on this. Maybe it's, you know, uh, taking an abrupt left turn, but idiots out there who watch porn on their cell phones, really, guys? Really? I've never heard of that. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Ever. Yeah. It's porn. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, that was a that was a hard turn out of nowhere, Sorry, Bill. Man. Did not warn Johnny that was coming. Wow. Yeah. I, it's time for the final gem, isn't it? <laughs> what is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? Wow, pull cord, launch not, gem. Not the first time <laughs> that the final gem has saved us, has pulled us out. <laughs> Woof. So hey to speak. Now, right. Pulled us out, so to speak. <laughs> pardon the pun. <laughs> Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> well, why don't you tell the good folks at home what our third gem is today? Oh, Ben, it's near and dear to my heart. Uh, sublime. Okay. Uh, and it's okay. songs like this, I'm sorry, that make me want to dig Bradley up and kill him again. <laughs> yes. Um, I can't believe, but anyway, we won't go there. Uh, this is, of course, connected to the whole uh, greatest hits cartoon stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the great... Hong Kong Fooey. I most certainly do because, little known fun fact, huge fan of Scatman Crothers. All right. Who I do believe did the voice. Really? For Hong Kong Fooey. Get Fui. out of here. Did or he really? the voice was at very least modeled after right, him. Right, yeah. Wow. Gonna have All to right. Google that someday. I'm thinking out. so. Yeah. I'm thinking so. <laughs> but yeah, this is the sublime treatment of the theme from Hong Kong Fooey. Awesome, awesome. Let's play this for the good folks and we'll be back with some things, stuff, and a wrap up. Stay tuned. <laughs> Who is this superhero? Sarge? No! Rosemary, the telephone operator? No, I'm man. Henry, the mild-mannered janitor?
Cover Hong Kong Fui. Well, you know what? Maybe uh, like Parliament Funkadelic could have, could have done a version, <laughs> you know, or the Gap Band. I would have loved to have seen George right after that approach to this. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. But right after that, yes, Sublime. Believe it or not, there is a video out there on YouTube of Sublime in the studio doing Hong Kong Fui. Uh, give you an idea of how absolutely chaotic and insane a Sublime session was. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of a fun video to watch and. If you're paying attention really quick, in the very beginning, there is uh, an appearance by a very young Drew Barrymore, huh, believe it or not. I mean, it, it comes and goes so fast that right. you can barely see it. Well, because but it's her, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I know. That kid yeah. was like 50 when she was five. I'm thinking so, Poor yeah. Thing. So, <laughs> yeah, one of, the, uh, one of the unusual and unique things about the, uh, the whole sublime Canaan, if you mm -hmm. will, is their cover of Hong Kong Fui. The video of them covering Hong Kong Fui and Drew Barrymore appearing in it. Interesting. So, interesting. There you go. Well, another interesting tidbit. Yes. Uh, during that song break where you were off in the men's room, <laughs> our intern came up to me with a piece of paper stating that I was, in fact, correct. And it was Scatman oh, Brothers. There we go. Okay. Okay. Fui. All right. So yeah, I got a little knowledge rattling around nice, up in there. Nice. And, uh, you know, speaking of, of, of the past, as we head into the uh, Dumont of, of the program. Yes. Not a whole lot going on, but I just want to mention quickly, we had a, another Hollywood death last week. We did. Uh, a guy by the name of Henry Silva, mm. who was a uh, typically a villain actor. You know, okay. B, sometimes A. You know, he, uh, he made the papers because he was the last surviving member of the original uh, Ocean's Eleven Wow. Rat Pack. That's, you know, that's an amazing thing right there. That was 1960. Yeah. That was a long time ago. And he went on to uh, always be working in Hollywood, and, and especially like in the 80s and whatnot. Yeah. He would be the guy that would always play the villain. Okay. He was almost like the next generation of Jack Palance, kind of. Oh, all right, all right. So I'm a huge fan of the Buck Rogers TV show. Okay. And he was in that as Commander Kane. Buck Rogers uh, in the 20th century. One of the big bad. 25th century. Yep. All right, yep. all right. But uh, he was also uh, the main villain in the first Steven Seagal movie, okay. uh, Above the Law. You should have killed me when you had the chance. Back and like I said, people he wasn't recognize so douchey. Him. Yeah, yeah. But uh, people would always recognize Henry Silva. He had very sharp, chiseled features. Uh, could have passed for an Asian or Hispanic or an American Indian, which okay. he played all of those. You know, there's something to be said for an actor that can survive in Hollywood for yes. that length of time. And that was the thing. He, he was a survivor, did stints on, on TV shows and whatnot. So, you know, just another old-timer has passed, but right. he will not be forgotten. Indeed. And then also just the other day, um, 
I forget the woman's name. See, that's horrible. Oh, the girl, Nurse Ratchet. Yes. From One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yes, Nest. Yes, Nurse Ratchet. Now, who among us, who at least has seen the movie, mm. didn't at some point in her life refer to a caregiver of theirs, <laughs> however briefly, <laughs> as Nurse Ratchet? She, she was iconic in her portrayal of this yep. person. And yeah, she obviously struck a nerve. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, chilling, chilling. And me, all the times I've been in and out of like doctors and hospitals, I've called everybody nerd ratchet <laughs> at this point, and I make no apologies because they're all evil with your little cup of pills. Wow. So yeah, so that, so <laughs> that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode of Rich and Rants. Good times. Good times. And as always, thank you so much for joining us, especially in this little trip down memory lane. Indeed. And as always, I am Johnny Teflon, and I'm Michael Shanley, and we'll see us all on the flip side.